Again, welcome back to the Desktop movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Join me today, we have Cave. Who is also dead. Yes. Everyone has become dead, and thus the plan takes another step forward. Are you become death, destroyer of worlds? No, I'm become dead, destroyer of snack foods. So nothing really different. Ah, uh, no. It's just in that situation, my budget for snack foods goes fucking through the roof. <sighs> this I'm show sick. brought to you by Vashon. I'm sick. He's sickening. We're here for you guys. Yep. And we watched some fucking movies and stuff. I watched a movie that I have no idea how it will go over with this fucking crowd of cave. I am the most judgmental of crowds, as we all know. Yeah, I watched I a documentary. Uh, yeah, I watched the documentary Yodorowsky's Dune. What? Yes, so. A there's a director named Alejandro Yodorowsky. Mm-hmm. He is a very He's he's very he's very much like a a higher brow of filmmaker than we are used to. Ah, so one with talent. Yes, kitten, I love you. Well, there's talent, and then there is having his nine-year-old son spend the entire movie naked. Ah, he's one of those directors. Yes. The first movie he ever made, he made in defiance of every filmmaking guild in his country. What country is that? Uh, That time it was in, I believe, Brazil. Okay. But he's Chilean and living in France. Okay. Okay. But yeah, he made another movie called like The Holy Mountain, which was like this really well-received art house film. Uh, it's done all kinds of shit, and one movie that he desperately wanted to make was a was an adaptation of Frank Herbert's Dune, and it's a movie that got super far into pre-production and then got scrapped by every studio turning it down. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And this was not a this this was not a one to one. It was not like an adaptation in the sense of like Denis Villeneuve's adaptation or like the or like the David like the uh David Lynch movie. It was more an adaptation in it took the I it took like the character names and space Okay. And then they just kind of did whatever they wanted. Like, like, during, like while the, in the documentary, at least, um, pretty much every person he got to work in the movie had never read Dune. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and it was like, it was going like full fucking art house shit. Like, like, he, there was a scene where, like, Jessica, uh, the like Paul's mom, would like fucking take some of Duke Leto Atreides' blood 
and then like ingest that and have that act as the sperm which makes Paul. Like that, that was just a scene that they were going to shoot. Okay. Yeah, and so the, the entire movie is just like just like detailing this ridiculous, insane movie that never got made, and then showing how this movie that doesn't exist is one of the most influential sci-fi movies of all time. Is it meant to be like a parody of documentaries? No, it's a real documentary of a real director and his real team that really tried to make this movie and then got it shut the fuck down by everyone and then had every single studio that saw it take direct inspiration from it. I am so confused. Yeah, so so they... so um, That's nothing new. I mean, it's me. Yeah, so Yodorowsky, he had uh, essentially got what he called his Warriors, which was the production design team. Like, uh-huh. like, like concept artists, uh, special effects people, set designers, um, and got them working on the film. And he had this fucking, like, massive goddamn book that was essentially a... It was basically a comic book of the movie. Like, it was all just, like, storyboards, 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 all shown sequentially in a book to because sh- they they basically had the movie shot they just need to actually shoot it and this book was sent out to studios across the fuck like it was sent out to every major studio all of whom turned it down but they can actually see they actually show like direct comparisons of hey here's the shot composition that they had for this idea of a shot in dune and then here is someone else doing this exact same shot in a different sci-fi movie Huh. Yeah, and like uh like like two of the guys on the team, um Dan O'Bannon and HR Geiger. They went on to do Alien. Fucking Geiger. Yeah, like this this was the thing that kind of this was the reason that Geiger was involved in Alien. Because Dan O'Bannon and Geiger were part of the team making Dune. And it was, and it, it just, and it just kept going on, like showing off all these, showing off all this different stuff, um, like these different comparisons, and just kind of detailing this, this kind of fucking lunatic, discussing this amazing movie that he never made, and how the movie, and how, and how like everyone involved was like, yeah, this movie's gonna, this if this movie had to come out, this would have been the most influential sci-fi movie of all time because it was, it was essentially doing like Star Wars level sci-fi like three years before star Wars. And then just never got made. It's a really interesting documentary. And Yodorowsky seems like a fucking lunatic. Yeah, no fucking kidding. But now I kind of wish I had gotten to see the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. And funnily enough, like there's actually a point in the, like near the end of the documentary, there's a point where I, Yodorowsky like details his experience going to watch the David Lynch Dune movie with uh with fucking Kyle McLaughlin in it. And he's like, and I didn't want to go fucking see that thing. It, like like I had my Dune, but this wasn't my Dune. I didn't want to fucking see it. I sat down and watched it, and I got so fucking excited because the movie fucking sucked. <laughs> it was trash. <laughs> that is the perspective to have. Yeah, and so I have been spending all the time I have uh, every once in a while, just trying to find any kind of 
trying to find if anybody had asked Yodorowsky what he thought of the new Denis Villeneuve Dune. Mm-hmm. And nobody had? Nope. Well, that's kind of lame. Yeah. Majorly lame. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. I still kind of want to see... I still want to see Villeneuve Dune. Tried reading, I tried reading the book after the trailer came out, and I just... The book just didn't grab me. It didn't grab him by the cojones. Yeah, it didn't grab me, but the world and everything else still sounds really interesting. Oh, yeah, the Dune world is amazing. Like, it sounds really interesting, but sadly. Yeah, and, like, the things happening in the book were interesting to me. It's just for whatever reason, whatever, the way it was written, the way that I was reading it at the time, like, like just the mental state I was in, it just couldn't, I just could not get invested, despite being very invested. Just, this is neat. I like this. I like this. I I like the world. I like this Bene Gesserit uh, fucking uh, religion they have going on, which was, which was really neat. Like the, the, the level of political intrigue that was involved. Because that entire story is just, like the, the, the first story at least, is just the fucking current people in power going, hey, this guy is getting way too popular. Let's fucking kill him. And then going through the ridiculous levels of fucking political bureaucracy you have to get through in order to get into a position to have that person killed. Because that's fucking Dune, man. (laughs) And then apparently it goes on from there to be like some weird treat to some weird fucking metaphor about why you shouldn't have heroes. But we all need our heroes. I don't know, man. I'm just talking on my ass right now. Yeah, I don't know. And apparently, it's apparently at some point in those books, Paul fucks a sandworm. What? I don't know. Just at just I I spent some time on the fucking Dune wiki, and it talks about Paul Atreides' kid who is half sandworm. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's some quits at Hatterack thing or what, but the kid sucks Hatterack. I don't know how to pronounce it. The goddamn names in Dune. Like fucking Kwisatz Haderach, goddamn Leto Atreides, the Bene Gesserit, the Gom Jabbar, and then Paul. I personally am very strictly of the belief that, like, they're from some ancient lost language that we just don't know anymore. (laughs) And this one person just found a text on this language. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then there's Duncan Idaho. Doesn't mean all of it's from it. <laughs> okay, the other thing really neat about fuck the other really neat thing about this fucking uh world is just is like they are super anti technology and it's really interesting. Like this world has like a is like a I trying to try remember trying to like think of the exact word for it, but it is a there is a law, like a centuries-old law, that forbids anybody from building a computer in the like building a computer based on the mind of a human. Hmm. Yeah, like the spice that, like the spice that, uh, like, like a uh, allows interstellar travel. I believe that's because the folks in the Spacers Guild take that fucking drug, and then that, al- that allows them to d- do like calculations at a galactic level. Huh. 
So it's speed. It's super speed. It's space speed. And then, and then, like, the, like there's an, and there are, and then there's like this other entire like uh, organization, the, like these uh, mentats, which are people who have been raised and trained in such a way that their brains are capable of operating at the level of a supercomputer. Like they're able okay. to, like they're able to like absorb information and then then extrapolate from that information the most likely option, the most likely scenarios that will come from uh, fucking whatever they're trying to do. It they're essentially they're essentially like taking like computer predictions and making them people. They're de-digitizing. Exactly. It's super neat. <sighs> I'm probably just gonna end up like watching a bunch of Comic Book Girl 19 book videos about it because she has been putting or I think it's they now. I don't I'm not sure. Go with they because you yeah. can't get offended at I they. will err on the side of caution and they. But they have been putting out fucking like videos for months about Dune. And if you do get offended at they, then or you're years, one of actually, the problem people. Probably years. About, I think they've been putting out videos for years about Dune. Like the Dune Book Club has been a regular thing on their channel where they just put out videos of them discussing Dune like section by section. I think really they started the Children of Dune Book Club. One of the sequels. Okay. But that seems like how I'll be getting my Dune information until the movie comes out. And I'll probably end up watching the fucking David Lynch movie. I did watch the David Lynch movie. Oh, how was it? It was a thing. Sounds about right. Um, So, I've never read the books. I should state this. Yeah. I've never read the books. Uh, I tried once, and then I woke up in a field naked with both my kidneys gone. I got them back, but... It it was a whole thing, um, but no, like the David Lynch Dune was a weird trip, and not just because of a uh, fat bastard flying around or uh, loincloth Bowie, <laughs> like uh, no, that, that entire was Sting. Sting. Sorry, Sting. Uh, that was that entire movie, and it has been a little while since I saw it. I should state this. Yeah. But that entire movie was like, from what little I've read of Dune, it was like, hey, let's just see how much of this sticks. <laughs> and, well, enough of it stuck. It stuck rather painfully. It was <laughs> horrifying. Uh, it's not good. It's not a good movie, and I don't recommend it to anyone ever. Well, alrighty then. And hopefully my audio didn't get too weird. I just had to bump it up in the fucking uh, sound settings on my computer. So I'll just put a timestamp in my notes so I know where to go down there and replace it. Yes. Editing. <laughs> the power of the edit. Anywho. But yeah. Um, I Like I said, I don't really recommend it to anyone else. But... You like that kind of weirdness? Go for it, I guess. Well, alrighty then. Speaking of that kind of weirdness, I have no segue to talk about Enola Holmes. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Just speaking of movies, speaking of movies based on books, Enola Holmes came out. And you very much are against this. I do not like when you when like people create something new and then are like, we're just gonna tie it into something that already exists to, you know, profit off of you know the fame of the other thing. <laughs> that but that's me. I feel like we've had some kind of very intense discussion about about fanfic at some point. Fanfics are different. Fanfics are someone taking inspiration from something else and writing their own story within that universe or writing their own twist on that story. That isn't, hey, I'm going to write a Twilight fanfic and then try and sell it under a different name and make it even worse than Twilight. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I also know of... uh dick loads of stories of hey here's this story that you know but also features me the most important character the writer yes but in those instances they're not being sold as hey here's a new story it's hey this is my fan fiction of a story you already know Uh, okay I'm not paying for fan fiction is my ultimate thing. I'm not paying for a fanfic. So Enola Holmes, the new movie, is based off of a series of young adult novels written by Nancy Springer about, about Sherlock Holmes's hitherto unknown younger sister. I thought she was his niece. Nope, sister. Yep, after... While Mycroft and Holmes, well, Mycroft and Sherlock were out there doing whatever, the moms was hanging back at home teaching just whatever to her kid. And the mom left to become a feminine, feminine, fem, feminism terrorist? Are we allowed to talk about that? Like, do we need to get a woman in here to talk about that part of the show? No, it's like it's it's very much set up in the movie that she is extreme suffragist. Like they straight up find like 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 as one of the clues. Yeah, one one of the clues that Enola eventually fall, fall, tracks down is uh, she heard her mom talking. She she ended up walking in her mom talking about like some of her plans with these other suffragists, and then she decodes the secret code they were using to talk, which is just anagrams. It's against young adult uh, to find a warehouse in London, which is full of um, allow women to vote pamphlets and explosives. As well as eventually their plan to essentially just bomb places in London to try to get women the vote. Uh, come on, people never store your pamphlets with your bombs. Then you're actually going to give out the bombs instead of the pamphlets. Golly, people. Rule number seven. <laughs> I'm just imagining now someone just like, it's, it's like bundles of dynamite just handing them out to children. And it's like, wait a minute. I thought these was, I thought these were my flyers. Oh, no. <laughs> then all of a sudden, kid's like, look, mommy, fireworks. 
then just, just all of a sudden they just fireworks. cut. It's like, look, mommy, someone, some lady gave you a sparkler, and then just hard cut to the next scene. <laughs> oh no! That's how I would make a movie. That's why Dead would not be allowed to entertain children. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's this movie uh, starring Millie Bobby Brown, aka the Eleven for Stranger Things. This is not, oh, yeah, that's why people kept telling me about this movie. This, this is another kind of tangent. I'm wondering when the main guy, main kids from Stranger Things will stop being known as the kids from Stranger Things. Because, like, like, Fiend Wolfhard, aside from having the most powerful name ever. He really does. Like, he's he's begun making a career for himself beyond this Millie Bobby Brown has been doing this for fucking ever like she I'm pretty sure she's a producer at this point like she actually produced a fucking movie at 16 nice or potentially younger I don't know but and and like the rest of them I'm not too sure on their names just because I haven't really followed their work afterwards Mm -hmm. but like they were all relatively successful and they're all to me, at least, still known as the Stranger Things kids. Uh, that's how I usually hear them referred to as, yeah. So just, I'm wondering, hey, how they feel about that. Just, like, actors have, famously, actors have traditionally not super been enjoyed being pigeonholed into one, one role that they were known for. I mean, unless you're Robert England, you kind of try to get away from early roles. Robert England's case, you fucking you fucking put on that makeup and sweater every goddamn time. <sighs> but yeah, so this is yeah, so with Nola Holmes, uh, raised by her mom, taught just anything under the sun, chemistry, botany, jujitsu, you know, normal stuff. Yeah, essentially just turning into. Her mom's idea of the ultimate modern woman. And then one day her mom fucking disappears. At which point Mycroft and Sherlock come back home and go, oh fuck, you exist. And Mycroft going, well, it's the past, so guess the fuck what, child? You're going to a boarding school where they're going to beat the independence out of you. Uh comfortable very comfortable yep this is a movie for you this is a shockingly shocking no one this is a movie primarily aimed at young girls i am shocked yeah and the ultimate shocking thing is that it's not that bad it's actually pretty all right that i'm not really shocked by because you already told me it was it was it was okay yeah, like like this movie is carried by Millie Bobby Brown, who does who's like deductive reasoning and like thought process is visualized on screen by her just talking to the camera. So it's a lot of like her. That's not bad. Yeah, so it's a lot of her just kind of breaking the fourth wall, discussing like like talking with the audience about what's happening, this that the other thing. There's occasionally like flashbacks and stuff, which it's it. 
it is it is a little bit jarring sometimes of like going from hey I'm talking to the camera and then oh my deductive reasoning is I'm flashing back to this other thing and then just using old footage, but mm-hmm. like but like editing it funny. So it's like oh it speeds up slows down goes backwards, but that's that's just a personal thing. Like I kind of would have enjoyed it if like if like when they went back to any of her flashback stuff, it then showed current Enola in her own flashback discussing it with the camera. Mm-hmm. But it was it was still it was still like a decent job and like her mugging like not mugging but her like acting the camera and being like super expressive helps a lot in like selling the character and selling who she is as a person and makes her super endearing. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, Henry Cavill as the most jacked Sherlock Holmes of all time. <laughs> That, that man is built like three men. It is seen a lot of Sherlock Holmes, so I'm looking. I'm looking up Henry Cavill Sherlock Holmes to see how I my opinion on uh, how jacked he is. Bruh. Holy shit! Yeah, like, you're not kidding. Yeah, that is a jacked Sherlock Holmes. He's an absolute fucking unit. Yeah, he could probably take any of the other Sherlock's in a fist fight. He probably ate two. He'd probably take multiple of the other Sherlock's. He probably ate the other Sherlock's. (laughs) Just needed his protein. Yeah, I I needed my protein, so I just I just ate him. It's okay. But yeah, so this Sherlock, um, this yeah, this version of Sherlock is very. He's very charismatic and like. They they don't they go out of their way to show that this Sherlock is fucking Sherlock, and but and I'm trying to think of how to say this. They never position Enola to be superior to Sherlock. They're never like oh because she's a girl and everything. She no she is she is very much she is young. She is this is her first time doing this. And the only reason she was really able to like get the leg up on Sherlock is because she was doing this for way longer than he was. And despite that, he was only like an hour behind her. And by that, you mean she was on the case for a lot longer than he was. Yeah. Like literally her first time leaving home was her getting involved with this case. And then Sherlock didn't super get involved until like halfway through the movie. And then, yeah, he fucking, he fucking like goes to Lestrade and says, "Hey, this is what happened." And then Lestrade goes, "Hey, why did your sister? Why did your sister beat you to it?" And then as he's leaving, <laughs> as he leaves, he's just like, and as he's leaving, he just kind of goes, "Well, some bitch." Smiles to himself, decides decides like actually take over as her ward from her brother, from his brother because his brother is a fucking well, cunt. Take her as a ward. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was, he was, she was originally Mycroft's ward, and then Mycroft was... Terrible. The worst. Just straight up... Got up to basically the line of, of abuse. Which, I'm not super familiar with Mycroft. I have no idea how faithful that is to the character. And Mycroft is usually a pretty dickish character. Yeah, my main exposure to him was... The, the fop in the BBC show and the dude dying of cancer in the fucking in elementary. Minecraft is usually irritating. Uh, he'll help, 
but usually it's at a cost. Uh huh. Because isn't he like a? Uh, isn't he like in most iterations like a politician or something? He's a politician or a government agent, usually. Yes. Something involved with that level of bureaucracy that 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 means that everything he says has like four different meanings that are all benefiting him and no one else. Yeah. One hundred percent true. As far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my only real like my only real issue with the movie beyond it being kind of just it's very simple because this is this is probably going to be for a lot of girls or a lot, a lot of people watching the movie at least like the target audience their first real mystery film so the mystery is very the mis- the mystery is hey this person that you met that you thought was a good guy is actually the bad guy uh, i absolutely i hate those I it's, I genuinely I cannot stand the whole it was actually me reveal. Well, the actually me reveal came like I think 5 minutes before the actual reveal happened. Like they figured it out and then got there. Yeah, I still hate it cuz I've usually been sitting there for like an hour like it was actually you. What a surprise. Oh, am I supposed to look up for my book? Yeah, again, this is more interesting than you. This movie is made for children. No excuse. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that's an excuse. It's not an excuse; it's a reason. No excuse. Like I like like I said, it's I'm marking it down for it. I'm not saying that's. I'm not saying yeah, the mystery kind of boring and predictable, but it's made for kids, so it's all right. No, I go. No, I'm going, oh, the mystery is boring and predictable, but that's because it's made for kids. Disgusting. Another thing is, like, editing can be a bit weird. Uh-huh. Like, I, I very, I, I, I pick up on it more lately, but I rarely pick up on, like, reused shots, and there's one that is very obviously, like, like, it's done, like, in rapid succession of, like, all right, I'm establishing a shot of her walking across the table. Now, let me pick up a thing. Close up on that. Oh, that's what that is. And then the same establishing shot of her walking across the table. That's weird. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It, it was very jarring. But yeah, the movie is the movie's not bad. It's it's pretty decent. Like it if you are a fan of like mystery stuff or like any kind of Sherlock thing, you can you can watch this and be relatively entertained. And if you are the target demo, I'm assuming this will do pretty well for you. If you are the opposite of the target demo, probably not. Yeah, well, that's that's most things. Yeah, I've seen some things where I'm like, I'm so not the target demographic of it. And still enjoyed it at the end. Not everything can be My Little Pony. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? I am the target demographic of My Little Pony. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking Lauren Faust in a room with like five other writers. Like, okay, how do we get the fucking tw- how do we get the eighteen to thirty four year old men demographic with their Little Pony show? Eighteen to thirty four uh, year old men who uh, were living with their mother until their wife kidnapped them. <laughs> that demographic. That demographic doesn't really exist. I think it's you. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> I am the target demographic. Just me. <laughs> yeah, like a- everyone else, like. Like like the, like the devil that ended up getting getting for that show is eighteen to thirty four year olds who live, who live with their mother. Cut. <laughs> yeah, I lucked the fuck out. 
Yeah, most of them are still at fucking PonyCon asking if anyone wants to clop. And speaking of horrible evil, let's talk about evil. Is that the name of a show? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, it. It's I was about just, to say we're not talking politics. It's just a, it's just a show called Evil. Evil. Which is the only way I'll be saying that show for name from now on because otherwise it just sounds real awkward. So Evil. Yes, it, we already know the show's named every villain is Lemons. Moving on. Yeah, it is a it is a case of the week procedural show about a forensic psychologist working with a working with the Catholic Church to help uh, determine whether or not cases of possession and miracles are real or not. Go on. Yeah, she is working with Mike Coulter, aka Luke Cage, aka his character. <laughs> Whose name currently escapes me? Uh, but yeah, his yeah, his character was like he is a he's a priest in training and a devout believer who is who's like using his time while training to become a priest to ex- to like you know assess these different possessions and miracle cases, and then Benny, aka Asif Mondavi from the from the Daily Show, who is the skeptic and the electrician. Okay. And so every week a every week they go, "Hey, there's a thing happening. We got to go see if it's real or not." They go they go see it. Uh convictions are shook. Convictions are reaffirmed. The meat lady wants to desperately fuck Mike Coulter because of course she does. Have you seen him? I want to fuck Mike Coulter. Exactly. It's like these it's a priest with the build of Henry Cavill and the look of a Mike Coulter. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, and then Michael Emerson's also in it, uh, aka Ben from Lost or Finch from Person of Interest, playing essentially his version of the Joker because he is a his character um, Leland Leland something. Stottlemyre? No. Damn it. Yeah, his character um, essentially tries to coerce individuals into committing the worst possible acts they can think of. Why? Because he's a demon. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the thing. The show tries to go down the route of like, hey, is this real? Is this not? It's all fucking real. Like, like, uh, in, like in the first episode, like the second, like the forensic, whatever. Uh, let me look up her fucking name just so I don't keep <laughs> saying this shit. The forensic, whatever. <sighs> yes, evil TV series. Da-da-da-da. Kristen Bouchard. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, she has a dream. Yeah, like as she is investigating, uh, well, working with the DA's office to convict a man who had brutally murdered three families. Uh, she she meets up with uh, David Acosta, Mike Coulter, and they and he's like, "Hey, this dude's possessed by a demon." 
So she begins like doing these tests to see, like, see if he's crazy or possessed by a demon. And then, as that is happening, she has a she has a night terror, like sleep paralysis, where a demon named George shows up and starts fucking with her. And then, oh, it turns out that George is just a figment of her imagination in a dream. And then, whoops, her daughter's dreaming about George. And then, whoops, George actually came for this video they were watching this movie. And then, whoops, this fucking stuff. It turns out George might be real after all. What a shot. Yeah, they keep going back and forth between that where they have people like know, they have people know things that they couldn't possibly know and then give a rational explanation for why that happened and then do it again later but without the explanation. And just doing that over and over again, uh, which can get annoying. Uh, but the thing I actually do enjoy with this is there is a for real through line throughout the entire season. Like it, okay. fe- like it feels like the events of this are actually happening in relatively quick succession over the course of like a few months. And some of it is, some of it is kind of neat. Like, uh, like there's a fucking, a YouTube video that was put out that had a backing track on it that anybody under the age of 16 who saw the entire thing they would have that song be earwormed into their heads so much that they would just be humming it at all times and then it eventually drive them to try to fucking stick a goddamn like fork into their ear to, get, to stop the voices from coming to them. It's, got, it's like It's got stuff like that that's pretty effective horror stuff. Um, uh, Michael Emerson is really great in this role. Like he's He has like this level of like overacting and camp to it that I really enjoy. And sometimes this series just fucking goes for it in a very bizarre way. Like there's one point where Michael Emerson is like sitting down talking to someone and it's only showing him. And then it cuts to a wide shot of both of them. And it's him talking to a goat man. Okay. Just a straight up goat demon. That's like, that's like acting as his psychiatrist. He's like talking about like, oh, this fucking Kristen bitch. He's like so fucking frustrating. I just want to like fucking rip her skin off and eat her face, whatever. But I can't do that because I'm a fucking person right now. And the goat demon's like, well, how about this? You'll find someone else to rip her skin off for you. And that'll make you feel better. He's like, you know what? You're right. So he gets the guy that she got in prison in the first episode released from prison. Hey, if it works. Yeah. Like that was like when he got the job, like he, she got fired from the DA's office cause she thought, Hey, this guy might be a fucking lunatic or like, or like for, for whatever reason. And then Leland started fucking coming in to take her job. And he's, and he just straight up told her, I'm going to overturn every case you ever worked so that the people who you put away can get back on the street and go back to doing horrible things just cause I can. And it's kind of great. Another really th- another really weird thing that I super loved just because of how fucking funny it was to me is uh, there's like this multi-episode like B storyline where Leland is attempting to turn a guy from a from just like a loner weirdo into like a men's right activist terrorist. Oh, don't like. Yeah, like, don't like. like start starts out with this kid like asking a girl out of the coffee shop, and then as he leaves, like Leland comes up next to him. It's like, and just starts like talking to him like a fucking red pill redditor. Uh, and say like that bitch, like she, 
is like how like like just trying to get everything trying to like drive this guy's mentality into thinking that everything is her fault for okay. for like leading him on and being a fucking slut or whatever and he like he like ends up like fucking going back to the coffee shop and giving her like a fucking like dead rat in a box or some shit i don't know ends up introducing him to like some fucking 8chan board where he meets up with other people like him like this and then it turns out all of them are fucking racist because of course they are and he's like yeah let's fucking do this dude uh he starts being trained in how to use a gun so he can shoot a, so he can go to a fucking like a like a church group thing ran by Mike Coulter and shoot it the fuck up. But then as okay. he but then as he is prepping to do that and like talking to himself in the mirror like it's a fucking taxi driver, he accidentally shoots himself in the head trying to be cool. <laughs> oh, I I love that. I love that. That that is good. That is good pie to me. Yeah, that was like the good. that was the fucking moment where I was like, okay, this is what this was leading up to, and it's fucking amazing. But yeah, this entire season just kind of reveals this weird demon conspiracy where there are 60 demons in some hierarchy existing on earth and it's up to these fuckers to stop it because of plot and it is neat i'm i'm really enjoying this like it is still a you know police it is still a case of the procedural so it has all of those elements in it that i really fucking don't like but it does it's not dealing with cops so it's got that going for it and it's got a cast that isn't stupid. And it's like active in what they're trying to do. Like another like B storyline that started coming up was uh, Leland started dating Kristen Bouchard's mom. Because her mom is like a big, her, mom, her mom's a big, mom's a large secondary character, like kind of her go-to babysitter. And then she, and then her mom brought Leland over for dinner one night and then Chris is like, oh, Leland's here. Hey, Leland, want to come and talk to my office? As they leave, she grabs a rag and a knife. And then, for lack of a better term, slits his throat to make him leave. Okay. Yeah, it's like knife, knife against the side of his neck gives him a massive gash, missing the carotid artery, but still requiring 20 stitches to sew it back up. Okay. <laughs> Here's the rag. Get the fuck out of my house. Fuck. Yeah, she don't fuck around. And I really like that about her. Like she has like she has she is a character of her own beliefs who very much doesn't believe in any of this bullshit, but she is like receptive and open to interpreting what she is seeing through her own lens and like is very driven in what she's trying to do. She she is really fucking neat. The only thing bad about her is that she has four daughters who will not shut the fuck up. Oh, lovely. Yeah, imagine four children between the ages of like fucking six and 13 who never stop talking. I don't mean never stop talking individually, never stop talking at the same time. Just they just go 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 and it never stops and it's getting it gives me a fucking anxiety attack just thinking about it. Just another reason why dad's never gonna have children. I that is a discussion for another day. But anyway, I 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I do, especially because it is, it is very generic and doesn't like do anything super to like push the mold or like push the fucking envelope or anything. But it does enough that I enjoy it. Uh, from there, I watched Cobra Kai. The YouTube Red original TV series that's now owned by Netflix. As well as the 30-year-later sequel to The Karate Kid. Yeah, wasn't interested when it, when it was on YouTube Red. <laughs> you putting it on uh, Netflix isn't going to change that for me, guys. It's really Sorry. good. Don't care. Still not interested it is, in it. It is actually fucking fantastic. Like, I... I I really love the series. Yeah, for those who don't know, the Karate Kid, it's old movie from the eighties. Uh kid moves to fucking California from Jersey, gets beaten up, learns karate from Mystic Asian man. Oh. Yep, and then wins the karate tournament with an illegal move. And nobody calls him out on that. Nope. Uh so then Cobra Kai. Uh, which was the evil dojo of bullies in the in the movie, uh, Cobra Kai the TV series uh, follows uh, Johnny Lawrence, the bad guy from the movie, played by a returning William Zapka. Uh, and yeah, it's just him. Thirty years later, he is down in his luck. He's like some fucking like generic, he's generic handyman dealing with all kinds of shit. He never left the eighties. Literally based on the way he dresses. Yeah, he still drives a car from the eighties. He still listens to eighties rock. He still has. He still talks like it's the eighties, which is to say, you know, not great. Like one of the one of the first jokes, like real jokes in the show, is 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 like this is like this woman is like just like screaming at him for putting the TV on the wrong wall. He's like, I suppose the TV opposite the door. It's like, I did. Not that door, that door. And he's like, all right, calm down. Just like, stop bitching about it. I'll fix it. And he's like, what the fuck did you just call me? So he's on the phone with his boss. He's like, well, I just said you need to stop bitching about it. I didn't call her a bitch. You're going to fire me over that bitch? That's the joke. <laughs> and yeah, so it's just kind of a lot of him stuck in the like social mindset of the 80s and that's mine for comedy. Yay. Which, to be fair, it actually is. It actually doesn't work. It actually works out pretty well sometimes. Uh, like, like, uh, okay, I say my word. It 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 mainly works out in that it isn't terrible, except the occasional joke about illegal immigrants about our main character Miguel. Oh yay! They they end that pretty quick. Good. Yeah, I think it's one episode. Yeah, the first episode where they where they initially meet, and then it's and then it's like a surrogate father thing, and he starts wanting to bang his mom. And meanwhile, in all this, the Karate Kid, Daniel Russo, played by a returning Ralph Macchio, has become a car dealer. Seriously? Yeah, he now owns a bunch of different car sales, a bunch of different car lots throughout their area and he is and he's using his karate gimmick to sell cars first thanks for ruining the karate kid guys 
yeah like his like the the billboard that he has it's him which is like straight sidekick out and it's like we'll kick the competition the commercial where it's like it's like we can get a new car for only eh that seems a bit much oh yeah and then just breaks it in the graphic and every 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 person for new car comes with his own free bonsai tree Cause you, cause, yeah and yeah, like uh, this, it's all just about like Johnny restarting Cobra Kai, getting a new group of kids in, and then, then like, and there's like him trying to, him just trying to get some kind of glory back to himself or something. But it eventually, uh, it eventually just turns into, hey, these kids are helping me, and I'm helping these kids. It's all just great stuff because Cobra Kai in this thing is all nerds. It's all just, it's all just a bunch of, just a bunch of fucking nerds uh, trying to, trying to learn to be badasses, and then everything goes horrible because karate is the real enemy in this show. <laughs> and it's not awful. Like there, there is a level of nuance to this that I really appreciate because, because neither Johnny nor uh, fucking Daniel Lawrence, Daniel Russo, are the bad guys. Like both of them are just. Both of them are just old men stuck in their ways who keep having their prejudices reaffirmed by everything happening around them. Great. And what I mean by that is prejudices of each other, not the world. Okay, at least there's that. Yeah, like like but like 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 Johnny still thinks Danny is his little fucking punk who came in and tried to fucking steal everything that he ever loved. And then Danny sees Johnny as this piece of shit, piece of shit bully who just fucking never grew up and never, never like matured as an adult. And both of them are technically, both of them are kind of right. And both of them are kind of wrong because there's moments in both seasons where like when they fucking get a chance to sit down and talk to each other, they realize that they're not that different and can be actually pretty good friends. But then, honestly, I hate that even more. <laughs> yeah, but then something happens that reaffirms what they think of the other person, and then it just fucking destroys that relationship all over again. And then, meanwhile, there is the story with the kids, which is the meat of the show. Well, not the meat. It's 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 the big like the meat is Danny and Johnny, but those guys are the those guys are like the majority of what's happening, just because there's more of them. But yeah, it's uh, Miguel, a loser nerd who, who is the one who ends up talking Johnny into reopening Cobra Kai. Then there is uh, Danny's kid, Sam, who's a girl, and gets involved in all this shit happening. And there is Robbie, Johnny's kid, and they have this whole like love quadrangle thing that ends up happening with them. And then, like, and like the pre- and like the prejudices of Danny and Johnny and their thoughts on each other's style of karate ends up infecting these kids and causing this like karate war in their high school. Karate war. Yeah, it's very bizarre how seriously these high school students in 2019 take karate. Like, it's it's very bizarre. But yeah, for the most part, I I've really enjoyed this show. It has it has its moments of like like awkwardness with some of the acting, uh, some of the storylines, mainly the kid storylines, can be a little bit 
generic, boring CW stuff everyone for, for the most part. But the actors do a good enough job with it that I'm fine with it. I'm invested with these characters. Uh, William Zapka, the heart of the show, he he starts out a little bit rough just because I don't think he just because he probably didn't he probably hadn't been like acting that often. But but like he he really grows into this character. They start writing for him a lot better. Uh, Ralph Macchio is still I think pretty good as the Karate Kid. The two of them have really great like chemistry and antagonism toward each other. Like that works really great on camera. And honestly, the fight scenes are actually pretty well choreographed and shot. Like, I guess it helps that William Zapka is actually like a fucking green belt. Yeah. I, I would actually sincerely recommend checking out the Karate, uh, Cobra Kai. I know you won't, but I would recommend it. It is it is a solid show, and I look forward to seeing what they do in season three. Like, the only thing I have to say to that is I hope other people hear you and listen to you, but it's not my thing, so I'm not gonna. Uh-huh. Oh, last two things, not gonna be super long. Um, start watching a new show called Warrior. Uh, it's a season long, season, one season out so far. Uh, it's an HBO show based on a treatment by Bruce Lee. A treatment by Bruce Lee? That's another term for, like, a script, right? Yeah, it's essentially just like a pitch. Okay. Yeah, dude comes over from China during. It comes from comes from China to like I think San Francisco. Back when it back when America was importing really cheap Chinese labor and everyone hated it. Uh, only the racists hated it. Yep. It's really funny in the show watching the Irish watching the Irish complain about fucking um, Chinese taking their jobs. Just, just like we came over here to do work, and the fu- <laughs> and the fucking and the fucking racist term for Chinese people. People start taking all our jobs, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, Sonny. Yeah, that's racist. It's funny because you don't get it. Yeah, my Irish is fine. Yeah, you are. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and it's just uh, yeah. So it's this guy Assam uh, trying to find his sister, and ends up getting involved with the uh, ends up getting involved with like the local crime syndicates. Irish mob, uh, Chinese mob. Ah, uh, yeah, like various very different. Yeah, v- various ch- various like Chinese fucking uh, gangs, and they're like little war on like, little war to try to take over Chinatown, and then and like there's the Irish people trying to just who end up like the workers who are starting to fuck up Chinese people. There's like assault them in the streets. And the cops who are like, I don't like Chinese people. I also don't like Irish people. What do I do? Hey, I'm only like an episode in, but it's neat. The guy that like very well choreographed fights, uh, the guy they got playing the lead, uh, who I look at the name of just to give him proper credit. Oh uh, yeah, Andrew Koji. He is a really great. He's a, he's a decent actor and a pretty great martial artist who does a really good Bruce Lee impression. And I mean, and I mean, Bruce Lee fighting impression. Because like he he does he does like he does like all this shit like he does the fucking like one inch punch he does like the fucking like flicking the nose has the same fighting stance. 
and just plays Bruce Lee really well while oh, being in his, while being an actual character, not just Bruce Lee. Just if you didn't know this was a Bruce Lee, if you didn't know this was based off a of Bruce Lee treatment, then you would. Then like, if you didn't, if you did not know this was a Bruce Lee treatment, then him fighting would very quickly tell you that. Or I think I was watching the clones of Bruce Lee. Yeah. Just sit down here on the show. Why the fuck is this guy trying to do Bruce Lee shit? What the fuck? Man, this is a weird one. Yep. Uh, and then finally, uh, The Boys season two. Birdie. So you're saying they're back in town? <laughs> you had to know that was coming. I did not. How, how long have you known me? You regularly tell me you don't like music. Yes, but also 80s music is the only kind of music <laughs> that I actually know. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll see that you like Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, so uh, The Boy Season 2, uh, it just wrapped up a couple weeks ago at time of recording. Uh, Birdie has written up a review for the entire season. Read that. That's my thoughts. You kind of, we kind of, we've been very much in sync on season two so far. Well, can you at least sum up whether or not you liked it or disliked it? Uh, it was, it was not bad, but significantly worse than the first season. That is a real shame. Yeah. The main, the main kind of thrust of it is that the boys are entirely ineffectual in their own story. Oh, wonderful. Like, literally everything they accomplish in season two, they couldn't have accomplished without a superhero helping them. That sucks. Yeah, and so... And so, I don't know what the se- what the show is going forward, because they're doing a season three. Because, of course, they fucking are. And I don't know what they're going to do with it. Because like for those for those who don't know, in the comics, the boys were a CIA sanctioned team whose job it was to keep superheroes in check through a combination of blackmail and extreme violence. Extreme Yes, because it was drawn by a guy who did comic cards in the nineties. Yeah, it was very extreme. And this uh, this was effective because the boys had powers. Like, all of them had relatively the same powers of just enhanced strength, but it was enhanced strength enough that they could fucking crush people's skulls with their, like... Like, Butcher fucking put a crowbar in someone's eye and then popped off the top of their skull. Ah. Yeah, in the comics, Butcher, Mother's Milk, French... Like, this this is a, this is a spoiler thing, but whatever. Butcher, Mother's Milk, uh, Frenchie, and Voss the Love Sausage. The four what? of the... Uh, he's a he's a he's a Russian superhero, uh, who has who uh, makes like essentially essentially fucking like paint thinner into vodka, and has a dick that goes down to his knee. Okay, yeah, he's in the show. It's terrible. And what I mean by that is, he's in the show for one joke and then never brought up again, despite the fact of him being a recurring character who you were supposed to feel bad for when he died in the comics. But anyway, um, 
Yes, yes. Like the four of them, they they put they fucking put the boots to Stormfront, and they crush his they crush his fucking skull. They destroy his body, and then Butcher, while fighting Stormfront in the in the show, is literally beating her with a crowbar, and she is not reacting at all. Lovely. That's fun. Yeah. Again, like like there's there's a fucking like boot party with Stormfront in the show too. But instead of being the boys, it's Starlight, Queen Maeve, and one of the boys, Kimiko, the female of the species, and currently the only powered member of the team. Frenchie, Huey, and Mother's Milk are there watching it happen. The only, the only thing they did was when all three of them were down, like when, like when Starlight and Kimiko were down before Queen Maeve showed up, they all shot her with guns, which did nothing because she's bulletproof. Okay, I'm seeing a major issue. What's that? that? And it's, it's the one that you've been outlining the entire fucking time. <laughs> How can you make a show about people policing superheroes when you don't even give them guns that can hurt them? Well, that's the thing. This isn't a show about policing superheroes because them policing heroes has not been brought up. Like when Butcher okay. brought the boys back together in fucking first season, it was to take down Homelander or something. I don't know. I do not. I'm not 100 sure what his motive was getting the boys back together because it was never really established what the boys did. Like they did something. Like they fucking blackmailed Lamplighter into doing something, which then led to Lamplighter setting Mallory's kids on fire. What? Uh, okay, never mind. Yeah, that. I don't know why I reacted. Yeah, again, that was the thing in the comics. Uh, like the boys had, the boys had a, essentially the boys had essentially set up a had essentially set up a like mutually assured destruction agreement with the seven, where the boys had dirt on every member of the seven, like career-ending dirt. Yeah, because aren't uh, superheroes corporate funded in this world? Yes, they're corporately funded and. And also horrible people. Well, they're corporate funded. Yeah. So so the boys had dirt on all of them. And he and they and they said, Hey, you motherfuckers get don't get in our way. Or we out all of this. At which point Lamplighter was Yo, fuck this, I'm in the seven. And so ended up setting Mallory's house on fire and killing his two grandkids. Because in the comic, Mallory's a, Mallory's a guy. Mm-hmm. So then the seven, so then the seven, um, they give up Lamplighter to the boys to maintain the peace. And so Mallory just fucking shoots this Lamplighter in the head and then retires. And then a number of, and then sometime later, Butcher restarts the boys, bringing in Huey. Meanwhile, in the show, Butcher brings in Huey and then brings in the rest of the boys. Then they find Kimiko. I don't think the show was very well thought out. No, no, that's 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 a conclusion being Birdie came to. Just every week, it just seems like more and more that they did not think things through. Like with this season, there are like multiple plot threads that feel like they go nowhere despite being wrapped up. 
the thing the thing that feels the most like actually thought out in season two is the deep is the deep subplot with the fucking cult which goes nowhere and is there really? entirely for gags it goes nowhere in a show where they're trying to take down superheroes without superpowers I know it's weird right yeah and like that's that's the other thing like even the fucking mutually assured destruction plan like the fucking mad lad plan the boys don't even put that into motion it's Queen Maeve god damn it so yeah that's the boys you can find Birdie's full review like like the cast is still great they still have the moments of writing they still have like the like some very inventive ways of using powers that are that like keep things fresh a, a bit. But then you look at the actual plotting, and you it's mean nothing. Plotting, right? Yes, with the plotting with a D, and it's just like fucking, it's like fucking barf outside a Chinese restaurant. The most tasty kind of barf. Just this weird, this is all these weird fucking circuitous paths that end up looping back on each other that lead nowhere and kind of stings your eyes because it had too much kimchi. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, that's what I got. Oh, is it my turn now? Yes. Well, let us start off with a fall tradition for me. You see, the past few seasons... I've gotten together with my wife and her best friend to watch a classic over the garden wall. Oh, they're going to say Dragon's Dogma. Fuck, fuck Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> I'm not talking about that yet. Like, Dragon's Dogma goes in the middle so that I have pleasant and good wrapped around misery. A um, shit sandwich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, over the garden wall is... It is one of my favorite seasonal watches. I only watch it at fall because it just feels like the right time of year to watch Over the Garden Wall for me. Okay. Um, like, and I, I, I don't know, like, like, it just feels very like fall, and not, not really Halloweeny. Because while creepy shit happens, it doesn't have the framework of this is a Halloween show that you get with other Halloween shows. No, it's all where, like, like autumnal colors. Yeah, it's all autumnal. Like, I could have watched it in September. I think I actually did watch it in September, now that I think about it. But I'm probably going to watch it again, in fact, because my wife loves it, and this is the time of year where we watch it. Like, she literally texted me, do you know what time of year it is? And I was like, over the garden wall? Yeah! (laughs) Hell yeah, brother! (laughs) Like, she was at work, she texts me this, and I'm like, Oh, I know what you're getting at. Over the Garden Wall. <laughs> she got hyped. And, uh, now, I, I love Over the Garden Wall. It's an absolute pleasure to watch every year. I uh, I always get excited for it because, I mean, it's Over the Garden Wall. It's an absolute blast to sit through. Every year I like reanalyze the show and learn new things about it. Or I've read something about Over the Garden Wall since then. I bring it up and I'm like, I can totally see where this is coming from. So, um, I hmm? for those who don't know, me, have you never watched it? No. Okay, so Over the Garden Wall is centered around two characters, uh, Wirt and Greg. Uh, Wirt, who is 
I need to double check this to make sure I don't get my characters confused. Um, but one of them, is, like their younger brothers, uh, they're part of a new family. You know, uh, they just recently got like the father married the mother, and it's like you're not even my real brother. And like Greg, who is the younger one, is very open, warm, accepting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Wirt is awkward, uncomfortable, distant. He's he's the almost emo teenager. You so know, not the- emo enough to be accepted by the other emos, but almost. So Wirt's the one who looks like a ragdoll elf, and Greg is the one with the teapot on his head. Yes. Okay. Uh, I I believe that Wirt is supposed to be like a wizard, and Greg at one point alludes to him being an elephant. So an ele- what an elephant what? Yeah, the teapot is supposed to be the elephant's head and trunk. I think it, it's a fun show. You need to watch it. Uh, there's also like a, the other recurring characters are Beatrice the Bluebird and Greg's pet frog, who changes his names his name like multiple times an episode. <laughs> um, we also like there's a whole host of characters that we meet, but ultimately. Wirt and Greg climb up a wall in a graveyard, fall down the other side, the over the garden wall thing, uh, and find themselves in a mysterious foreign land where they travel and journey through it, have adventures, ultimately with the goal to find their way back home. They encounter a strange beast that keeps coming after them. Um, There's a woodsman... There's a talking horse. There's a lot of fun songs. My personal favorite is Potatoes and Molasses. Um, Okay. Beatrice is kind of our guiding figure uh, to a certain point. She meets up with the boys. She's from the other side. She's, uh, it's revealed very early on that she's actually a human who's been transformed into a bluebird who is seeking the cure for her bluebirditis. That's not. It's, she was cursed. She doesn't have a disease, but like, <laughs> um, it's got some great fucking voices, including two that I know you'll recognize because I recognize them, and that is Elijah Wood as Wirt, and Christopher Lloyd as yes, the Woodsman. Christopher Lloyd, I was frozen today. <sighs> and like my friend, we were watching it with her. I did the my, I was frozen today after one of the scenes with the woodsman, and she was like, "Is that Christopher Lloyd?" And I was like, "I'm pretty sure." Yep, Christopher Lloyd. Yep. So that was the thing I learned this year. Also, also looking at the cast list woodsman. is there's also John Cleese and Tim Curry. Oh yeah, John, Tim Curry was in it. I did not recognize him as that voice. Tim Curry as Anti Whispers. I did not recognize him as that voice. <laughs> like dead, dead serious. Um. Anybody else that I recognize? Nope. Nobody that I recognize. Yeah. But yeah. Um, also seems like a lot is, of musicians. It is, it is a great blast. Um, and there, there's a lot of music in this. There is a fucking lot of music in this. No, like, I mean, like, all, like in the cast. every like, episode there's a song. So like, like, that like, makes sense to me. Like the beast is voiced by an operatic bass. Oh, he, the beast. The great performance on the beast. Like. Yeah, it's one Samuel, Samuel Ramey. Great performance on the Beast. Yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, and yeah. there is there is like a song almost every episode. Um, I think there's actually like at least uh, at least one song each episode, but I might be wrong. Um, 
and uh like the songs are always fun and raise the spirits and like at the beginning it's just like oh these are fun silly things and then like the songs are kind of undercutting the dark elements of the show to like like raise the mood because it's like yeah you're probably pretty depressed at what's going on so uh let, let's have a song a fun song here fun fun song <laughs> um i watch it on hulu i know it's also on hbo max um i 100 percent recommend it 100 like this is a show that i can very calmly give a five star to like in canada's no question in my hoopla. mind there you go. Um, That's... There is no question in my mind that this is a great show. There are very few things that I am willing to give a perfect score. Five stars for uh, Over the Garden Wall. The animation is beautiful. The story is interesting and has me thinking every time I see it. The uh, the songs are fun. The characters are fun. At no point am I sitting there like, ooh, cringe moment. It's just, I'm enjoying it the whole way through. Every time, I am probably going to rewatch it again. Hands down, Over the Garden Wall is great. On to something that's not. <laughs> so, Dragon's Dogma got an anime. Yes, it did. Wish it hadn't. I saw the Mother's so, Basement video. Birdie and I watched two episodes. Because that was all I could stand. With alcohol. I could watch two episodes of this show with alcohol. Therefore, I cannot give a full review of it. I can give a review of the first two episodes. The animation is trash. Hot garbage trash. They went for some computer-generated CGI, which I thought would mean, oh, if they can't animate something well, they'll just steal the model from the game. No, oh, honey. At first, I thought they had stolen the dragon's model from the game because it looked almost exactly like it. Then I loaded up the game to check, and it was worse. <laughs> the, the model quality on the dragon was worse than a video game from like five years ago. <laughs> like, fucking Christ, guys. The model was there for you. <laughs> and the first episode kept going back and forth between, oh, this is going to be utter trash, to, I might enjoy this. And there was one moment that made me actually, it was getting to the point where I was like, I'm not watching the second episode. I'm just not going to watch the second episode. And then, like, okay, so there's an annoying kid who's been an annoying kid throughout the first part of the show. Okay. Like, the entire beginning of the show, he's just like, hey, I'm the sidekick. Aren't I interesting? And I just be like, please die. Please something kill him. I get one point he tries to get a bunch of guards to kill the main character and himself. Like, he just keeps calling the guards drunks and assholes. And I'm like, you're outnumbered and outgunned. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, like, that doesn't happen, of course. The kid does not shut the fuck up. No, the guard's boss comes out and says, hey, stop picking on the commoners. We're here in case a dragon shows up. Fucking unlikely, am I right? The dragon showed up, by the way. Oh my god. <laughs> and it did the most important thing. It made our hero 
a lone protagonist by killing everyone else. Hell yeah, brother. And I was like, yes, because it ate the kid on screen. And I was like, Dragon is best character. <laughs> and uh, then the, um, oh God, what are they called? The Arisen is the main character. Uh, what are, Pawns. Your, oh, yeah, the pawns. main character's pawn showed up. Um, saved his life. Uh, patched him up. And then I was like, awesome. Are we going to get an explanation of how pawns work in the next episode? Nope. Yeah. So for reference in Dragon's Dog with a video game, um, you're able to summon pawns, which are uh, like soulless entities. They're like, they're literally they're they're NPCs that help you in combat. And you can like send them off to other people and they can like borrow your pawns and then you can borrow theirs and like train them up that way. And they're literally, uh, they they are like NPCs for the NPCs. Yes, non-player like, characters. Like, even for the NPCs of the world, they're like, yes, and I have this emotionless pawn who does like a third of my work for nothing. Yeah. Because I'm not even sure they need to eat. Yeah, in, uni- yeah, in universe, they are just, they're essentially just like meat automatons. Yeah. But in, mechanically... In the game, they're they're there to help you in combat. Yeah, um, and they do like allude to other. I'm not going to spoil the game because I have beaten it. Uh, they do allude to certain other aspects of the universe and are like they're they're walking lore lore beacons. So like you got that going for them. Um, but so I I was expecting like okay, so I don't have to explain it to Birdie. They'll give us an explanation. Because like I said, I've beaten the game. They do not explain. No, they go straight into, hey, here's a fight scene along with plot of the week episodes. Ooh. Which is when we stopped. You guys like Castlevania, right? I love the Castlevania anime. Oh, this one is another one. Not as good. <laughs> it's not as good. I never and said we were. I just said we're another one. And I like I, it might have been that I was a little jaded by the fact that I've actually played the game that I <laughs> fucking love the game that it's one of my go to. I just want to wander around and kill shit games. Um, but it's not good. It's not good by any stretch of the imagination. I'm going to just and, say like as someone who has very much been in that kind of mindset you, that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a quality factor for a deciding thing for like a like an adaptation. I do have problems sometimes when I'm watching an adaptation and they very they stray too much from the source material. Like I I I am very much a if you're going to use the title you should use the source material kind of kind of guy. I was very um, hard that too, but as time has gone on and I realized that I'm in the minority. Yeah, and that pisses me off. Yeah, I, I, I that like I don't understand. Hey, we've got this famous title. Let's not acknowledge it. At least they gave us the Arisen and the Pawns and the Dragon. Like so far, they seem to be doing okay-ish. Well, as I mean, far as well, I mean, like, like actually paying attention, but like Arisen Pawns, whatever. If you're gonna have a show called Dragon's Dogma and not put a dragon in it. You'd be surprised. I really wouldn't. 
never mind then. <laughs> like that sounds like the most obvious thing in the world to me, but this is this is people making things. I went through fifty hours of Dragon's Dogma without seeing the dragon again, actually. Yes, like, but he was there at the without beginning. Without seeing a dragon. <laughs> Because there are random dragons that you can kill in Dragon's Dogma. Yes, but um, yes, but it did show up at the beginning of the game, right? Yes, it does show up at the beginning of the game. Exactly. It did. Like, the dragon is involved. How involved? That's entirely up to the fucking random number generator. But it would be, it would be very weird if you go into a show called Dragon's Dogma and there just isn't a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. No mention uh, of dragons whatsoever. Like like fucking the Arisen just gets killed by a goblin or something. <laughs> yeah are there goblins uh there are i don't remember goblins uh so, yeah. yeah i remember goblins now they're so weak that you just steamroll over them even from level one that's why i had trouble remembering them yes but hey fun thing so in the game the goblins are made by the, some weird hell ritual where they like sacrifice shit into a pool of poop or whatever and then they fucking pop out goblins or whatever yep guess what they do in the show what rape mm. you know goblin slayer yeah it's just that they took fucking great they took the really interesting and like world specific explanation to what goblins are and then made them generic goblins yeah dragon's deck man <laughs> oh fuck yeah this thing sounds fucking terrible it is it is fucking dog shit but like to be fair to no one even if this thing was great I would still not watch it because I hate CG anime oh no they, they, like you can do good CG anime this is not it by any stretch of the fantastic. This is very much not good CG animation at all. Like. No. Well, uh, huzzah. But uh, don't watch Dragon's Dogma. Whether you like Dragon's Dogma or hate it. Because the anime is, is trash. If you, is even, if you, even if you don't know what Dragon's Dogma is. However, one thing that you should seek out to watch is the Black Cauldron. So, my wife is a huge fan of the Black Cauldron. Uh, she's been trying to get me to watch it for years. I haven't, just because too lazy to care. And then we finally sit down. And the Black Cauldron is a and d game. Okay, so I keep getting this movie confused with Dark Crystal. Okay. The Black Cauldron is a and d game. The main character is, like, new to the game. Like, he's he's that guy who is convinced to join the game. Because he's like, I'll give you a magic item from level one. <laughs> gives the entire party magic items and gives you a magic pig. Hell yeah, That's brother. That. It's like, you get a magic pig. And the DM's just fucking with the player at this point. Because it's like, I'm going to give you a real magic item, but I'm going to make you suffer with your pig. Yeah. Um, magic item goes out of the pig. What? You, okay, what's gonna happen? You're gonna learn. You're gonna learn to love this pig. You get your magic item. You gotta kill a pig. <laughs> no, actually, um, 
so you then like he then gets a magic sword at some point that is destined to be able to destroy the black cauldron or some nonsense sure. um the ancient sword of they then flee the evil lich and it's at this point that in my opinion the game went off the rails <laughs> because again in my opinion this is a campaign where the DM wanted to show the party the Lich at level one and the party decided to kill it. Okay. So did they? Well, let me tell, let me get into it. Cause this is a fucking 20 year old movie. If you haven't seen it, it's on you. Um, so the party like consists of like furry little bastard. Who's like mostly annoying throughout the movie, but ends up, like a big hero old ass bard who i imagine is a player who's just been around forever um so like he he got the liar's liar which is a liar that plays music at you whenever you lie and then pretty uh tavern maid who has a glowy orb that likes to chase rats um I'm not sure about everybody's classes because I didn't take that much time going into it, but like I imagine it's like a bunch of rogues and a fighter because <laughs> nobody uses any magic other than the magic items they have. So based and they're on a quest. To, so based on their descriptions, it's some kind of noble, a bard, a dog, <laughs> and a custom and a homebrew class called Swineherd. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are a, the, he is a pig, uh, pig herder, pig herder. Um. Okay, great. What are the saving who, throws in that? Wisdom and charisma? <laughs> Fuck you if you think you get any kind of charisma being called swine herd. Well, you need to, otherwise no one take you seriously. <laughs> you think anybody takes them seriously? I mean, you have to. You're fucking hurting all those pigs. You gotta sell them. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That's the swine merchant's job. But anyway, let's, let's just thinking. Let's just thinking like too fucking limitedly. What you got to do is you got to fucking make. You got to go fucking like full charisma built swine herd. Breaks the metal wide open. Oh god. Also, I just want to say I, I fucking both hate and love the name Fluterflam. <laughs> yes, my like I am one hundred percent certain that all of the names in this are like just like Norwegian as fuck or something. Uh, so like they're Welsh. They're all Welsh. <laughs> So for the number of consonants, they are okay. This this movie is based off of the first two books in the Chronicles of Prydan series uh, by Lloyd Alexander, a set of five novels based on Welsh mythology. Well, there you go. <sighs> yeah, so Fluderflam, for those who don't know, is spelled F F L E W D D U R F F L A M. Fluderflam. Um. So they have they like. The three of them get together, their dog follows, like they have to rescue the fortune telling pig and uh, <laughs> find the black call. Yes. The pig can like see the future or something. <laughs> um, and they have to like find and destroy the black cauldron and rescue the pig. Is At the black cauldron like a, like the phylactery or some shit? Uh, no, the black cauldron is like the physical form of an ancient evil that was destroyed years ago but like is like waiting to rear it re to reap its ugly vengeance upon the world so it's the ring 
Kinda, yeah. Like if you if you throw a corpse into it, supposedly that uh, will activate it to summon an army of obedient skeleton soldiers that are unkillable because they're undead. Um, if you throw a living body into it, then it will stop the process. Um, doesn't just destroy the cauldron because supposedly it's indestructible. Um, Unless you have the magic sword of MacGuffin. Yeah, I don't actually know. Like, I've never read the book, so I don't know if it comes up again. Yeah, but uh, um, in the movie, like, they meet some witches, uh, two ugly ones that want to eat people, and one uh, uh, chubby, cute one who wants to uh, uh, eat a part of Fluterflam, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Of course, more of that fucking. More just, oh, you're only good if you're pretty. No, no, they're all evil. Well, evil-ish. I, they, they don't do anything wrong. They're just like, they fuck with people. I mean, they're not bad. They're just tricksters, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Okay. They're not evil. None of them are evil. They're tricksters. I'd still have to see like an unequivocally good person just look like dog shit. Uh, you, have you not seen a picture of Fluterflam? No, he just looks old. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, though. I'm talking, I'm talking uh, about like someone like in his fucking twenties who looks like who, who looks like the kind of person you would find on a red pill subreddit, but just is a decent guy. Uh, watch Halloween Town, which I'm going to be doing soon. I'm good. Halloween Town and Hocus Pocus. I'm, I'm good. I love those movies. <sighs> I'll be doing but my anyway. own. Tra- I'll be doing my own tradition of trying to force myself to watch more horror movies than not. Mm. I'm gonna be watching The Blob soon. I love that movie. The, uh, the original, The Blob, the black and white one. Okay. I was just gonna say because hey, if you want to check out the commentary, sure. <laughs> I'll also be watching Scream. Oh yeah, you brother. Hate me <laughs> because you hate me. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Scream the TV series, not the movies. I might watch the movies, but I don't know. Yeah, again, um, I, again, I could have chose something good, but that's not our brand. But yeah, the Black Cauldron, um, like, I'm not going to, um, I, 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 I don't know if I'll spoil the ending, um, but a- like, they, they're on a quest to find it, to stop themselves from getting murdered, to save their pig friend, and to basically get back their lot in life. It's a 35 um, year old movie. You're good. Yeah. Uh, Furball eventually sacrifices himself because uh, Swineherd was about to. And Furball was like, me has no friends, so me kill myself instead. <laughs> and they're all like, why were we assholes to you? <laughs> so yeah, the, as, he's, as he's dying, it's like, my death is your fault. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <laughs> just think, just think of me while you sleep at night. This is your fault. Turns out he didn't kill himself. Now he just hangs out their door, just going, "Your fault, <laughs> your fault. You did this to us, sisters." Um, could but you leave then out some the, food? Like, the, I'm kind of hungry. The the cauldron starts sucking in everything because you know it's reversing its magics. It ends up consuming the lich. Almost ends up killing the boy. The three humans escape, make it to an island while the castle collapses. 
uh, the witches show up and like, well, I guess we'll take the cauldron now because you don't need it. And Fluterflim uh, is like, oh, wait a second. Time for myself to make a persuasion check. We get a deal, don't we? And they're like, uh, fine. What's, what are you offering? And then they're like, we want, we want Hairball back. And they're like, we can't reverse that. Bring back and, Dog Boy. And Fluterflum's like, oh, I guess you aren't as good as you claim to be. <laughs> to which they respond, fuck you, we'll bring Hairball back to prove you were that good. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the witches take the cauldron, they get Hairball back, and I guess there's continuing adventures in the later books. Yay. Um, but yeah, that's favorite. what I've been watching. That that's it. I'm not talking about Scream the TV series and everything else yeah. I've been watching. I've yeah, already no, talked about seven thousand times. Yeah. Why are we talking about Scream the TV series? We talk about when we watch it. I know. <sighs> anyway, uh so that's what we're watching then. On to news. So first up, in a recent interview about his new film Don't Look Back, uh Jeffrey Reddick, the creator of the Final Destination films. Said he has said there will be another one. No. Yep. Uh. There will be a sixth final destination. It has been in the works since before COVID happened. Uh. Yep, it is. Like, I like the Final Destination movies. Almost all of them. Like two, I can watch. I'm not super big into it. Uh, three, I just, I love because every single death is at their fault. And it's hilarious. I liked the first one. Yeah. And I, I think I actually am agreeing with agreement with you on the third one. Yeah. The fourth one is dog shit. And the fifth one is really good. And works to bring the thing full circle because it's a surprise prequel. And I actually really appreciated that. Like, I think at the time, like, we did, the, we did like back in the day, we did a commentary track for, I think, all the Final Destination movies. Or at the very least, we did, we did one for five. And at the time, I... <laughs> I'm pretty, like at the time, uh, we there was a website called Zarbon that was uh, that was like skimming all of the RSS feeds they could find, and like essentially collating a bunch of different movie commentary tracks into like one repository on their site. It was still like our links and stuff, but it was just on their site for some reason. Mm-hmm. And there was a quote on there from us as we were talking about it, which was, "Is this a kind of surprise prequel?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah, baby!" And then everyone's like, "Uh huh." because <laughs> no it's neat like final destination 5 ends with them getting onto flight 108 huh like, like literally them like like the two like the, like they're fucking surviving leads from final destination 5 get on the plane as the characters from final destination 1 are being escorted off it was like oh what's that about then the plane explodes 
And it was surprise. It's a prequel. Yeah, it was. It was really neat. It was really well done, and I, and I, I enjoyed it. Uh, from there, kind of circling back to, I guess, Dragon's Dogma, uh, Monster Hunters is getting a movie. We got a trailer for it from Paul W S Anderson. Got Milijovic, Tony Jaa. T.I. This should start setting off red flags for people. <laughs> yep. And in a bold new twist, instead of having a magical thing being transported to New York, we get mundane soldiers being transported to the world of Monster Hunter. Whoop, she got to go fight. red flags. She got to go fight a Diabros, but instead of getting, just having a fucking hook shot and some magic swords, she got a fucking RPG. Oh, man, I'd fucking love to see, like, Link... In the Monster Hunter world? <laughs> like, that'd be fucking badass. <laughs> Just like, yes, I am a centuries reincarnated warrior who has fought every kind of god and man. Is that a giant T-Rex dragon? I'm making <laughs> armor out of that. <laughs> Bro, what the fuck are you talking about? He'd go in there and go, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Just, just run, just run around like the fucking like HQ or whatever the fuck it is, just smashing all their pots. <laughs> uh, we use those to store things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <sighs> ah, dumb video game jokes. The movie looks like trash. <laughs> it looks. It looks like the Resident Evil movies. You know what to do if you guys want to make us watch it. <laughs> yep. Uh, check out. Uh, so, moving on from there. Um, so, HBO had working on a adaptation of a book called um, Americana. And that's Americana with an H at the end. Uh, a book about, I believe, a Nigerian woman coming to America. And it's like a weird love story thing involving her and, and like like her like we like weird loves weird like life like a life thing her, her like life story going to America for university and then like a love story but between her and like a kid she went to high school with apparently well received book it had been in development uh, for HBO Max for a while uh, being produced uh, by uh, Denai Guerrera who folks will recognize from Black Panther and The Walking Dead. Uh, and it was going to be starring um, David Oyelo and uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Unfortunately, due to scheduling conflict because of the fucking nightmare happening right now, um, Nyong'o, had to, Nyong'o had to exit the project. And then HBO canceled the entire thing. Yay! Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It was gonna be a ten. It was there's ten episode miniseries. They lost their lead, so they shut the entire thing down. Dicks. Yeah. Well, it's this. It's the fucking. It's the nightmare we're living in. Oh, I thought it was a pleasant dream. No, you didn't. I really didn't. You, no one did. No one is sitting here thinking. Ha, ah, it'll be nice to wake up for this relaxing dream. 
Mm, I can think of one very orange entity that it that might be drinking thinking of that. I mean, he got it, so I'm assuming that that. Eh. I'm hoping that that. Eh. I'm praying. Eh. <laughs> uh, all right. Final thing of news. Uh, so, hey, remember Dexter? Yeah, isn't that coming back? Yes, for a ten episode limited series on Showtime. Did Dexter have an ending? Yes, it did. He became a lumberjack. Okay. Yeah, he... Uh, yeah, so I'm trying... I, I, I've read up on what happened at Dexter, at the end of Dexter after this happened. Uh, I think the last season I ended up watching was the one with uh, John Voight. Not John Voight. Uh, was it John Voight? I don't know. Uh, but the fucking uh, third rock from the sun guy. I don't know. Like son of a bitch. I didn't watch any of Dexter. <laughs> so yeah. I asked if it had an ending. Okay, well it it I believe did. Uh, as I will as I will pull up what that ending is. All I know is that he was a serial killer slash coroner. Who like was like I shall kill killers because that way I can satiate myself. Yes, he was a forensic blood analyst who looked at who examined spatter patterns in order to determine the fucking what happened con death stuff. So what happened was um uh so. So, uh, Dexter fucking murders somebody, uh, fucking gets off to a boat, uh, no, no, heads to the hospital, uh, takes his sister off life support because she ended up having a stroke and ended up brain dead. Lovely. Uh, dumps her body in the sea where he dumps every other body. Uh, Absolutely lovely. Drives his boat into a hurricane. Uh, leaving his yeah, drives his boat into a hurricane in a suicide attempt, leaving his son with his girlfriend. But then it turns out he faked his death and is now living in Oregon as lumberjack. And that's how Dexter ended. Okay. Hasha. Hasha. Everyone hated it. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't even know where to begin with that. Like Dexter started out pretty good. Like the like the like the first season was really solid because it was actually based on a book. Like like I'm pretty sure they based the first season off the book and then just said whatever and did whatever they wanted. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. <sighs> anyway, that's it for news. I have no idea what the fuck's coming out this week. I have no idea what's coming out ever. This world is stupid. Everything is on fire. Hopefully next year we'll have put the fires out. <laughs> or feeling that they've consumed enough that we're able to find some degree of normalcy in the ashes. 
Just we neither is going to happen. Just we've gotten used to the fires, so then we can just go. Okay. So while this thing, while this, while this fucking building is on fire, be sure to come into the next building, building next door, uh, to watch the new mutants. I don't know. We promise it won't be as bad as the time that we pushed, pitched it like a horror movie and then ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Fuck this. Oh. I don't know. I need to sleep. That's going to be for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with more something. Be sure to stick around for Scream. Everyone's favorite, TV, everyone's favorite TV show. Uh, but until then, I'm dead. And I'm Cave. We'll see you guys next time. And given the tone of this show, I'm not going to say goodbye, have a wonderful, and have a wonderful time. I'm just going to say, stay alive. Yep. Wash your hands, wear a mask, get out there and vote. Please vote. And you know who not to vote for. Yep. Neither choice is great, but one is exponentially worse. Yep. All right, bye. Bye.